Weighing Machine was created to help you, the financial advisor or investor, reach your long-term financial goals. Each episode, your hosts, Rusty Vanneman and I, Robin Murray, cut through the market glamour to find the time-tested principles that help investors succeed. The Weighing Machine is inspired by the classic investing saying attributed to Benjamin Graham. The stock market is a voting machine in the short term and a weighing machine over the long run. In other words, emotion and expectations drive short-term market movement, but fundamentals and valuations determine returns over time. Welcome to The Weighing Machine. Enjoy, and as always, let us know what you think. On the podcast today, what do the most successful financial advisors have in common? We will also discuss the three best practices of the highest growth firms. That's with our guest, Mike Van Wyk, Vice President of Research and Insights at Capital Group. Welcome to The Wang Machine. I'm Rusty Vanneman. And I'm Robin Murray. Okay, let's start with a look at the markets. What are we watching for at the moment? Well, we're recording this at, towards the beginning of October, and October's off to a great start. You know, we're on pace for another great year. If we have a strong quarter, there's a chance we'd have one of our best years, calendar years in a long time, and also stand a chance of having our best three-year stretch since the late 90s, which I think is remarkable given everything we've gone through of late. But I think the stage is set for a good fourth quarter. We have seasonal factors, sentiment factors, and of course, the COVID data is improving. So I think we're in a pretty good spot. Of course, the concern is about inflation. Right. Well, I do want to ask you more about the holiday season because I wanted to know how the supply chain challenges that we're seeing unfolding around the world might impact holiday shopping. People are being told to get their shopping done a lot earlier. The products might not be available or they might just take a long time to arrive. So how do you think it's going to impact the final quarter of the year and holiday sales? Let me sort of unpack that. So first of all, I guess the question is, should we be shopping early? Yes. That's always good for mental health, right? Instead of waiting the last moment. In terms of how it will impact sales, I, I think we're going to probably see great holiday sales. The consumer's in great shape. People are getting out again, getting back together. Um, the economy is booming. I think we hear a lot about supply chain issues right now. I think that issue is getting a little politicized, in my opinion. I mean, the concern is about inflation. And we're you know, as the research firm Renmax says, we're an inflationary boom. And yes, supply bottlenecks is, is kind of part of some of the stuff from COVID. But the reality is, is economic growth is just really strong. In terms of sort of the shopping mix, there are some issues, I guess, with some electronics. But, you know, I just think the shopping mix will change. Maybe people will buy more sorting goods or clothing or something like that. But speaking of all this, I have one trivia question for you. I'm going to throw a question back at you. You don't even know. Since holiday season, we're going to see a lot of advertising. Who is the largest advertiser in the world? Is it still Coke? It used to be Coke, right? No. Nope. Mm, Walmart? Nope. It is Procter & Gamble. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Gosh, if we could only have somebody from Procter & Gamble sometime on here, somebody mm. with experience on that. That would be good. But anyway, that is setting up our guest. <laughs> well done. <laughs> well, an excellent segue. So let me introduce him. Mike Van Wyk is Vice President of Research and Insights at Capital Group. Mike, welcome to The Weighing Machine. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, before we get started, I'm going to hand it over to Rusty, who has our all-important opening question. Take it away. Thanks. We have so many fun questions in this interview coming up, and I think a lot of really insightful ones. But this one is really fun, and that is the walk-up song. Mike, we need to imagine the background music we can hear as you come up to the stage. 
My walk-up song would actually be, it's called Sunny and Warm. It's by an artist uh, named Kebmo. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Kebmo, he's a blues artist who's been around a long time. I actually saw him in concert at about 30 years ago. But Sunny and Warm is what I chose just because it has such a great vibe. You can't help but get a smile on your face when you hear that song. And I think that type of vibe, that type of experience is what we're all looking for right now. So that's why Sunny and Warm would be my walk-up song. Do you live on the beach? I do not. That oh, song makes it sound like it. I do. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm getting that feel. I could see the beach actually out my window. I could see yeah. the ocean in the I was, distance. I was wondering. Another great ad for our playlist. Well, Mike, you have been at Capital Group since 2015. Might be before that you were at Procter & Gamble for 17 years. So tell us about the work that you did there and what brought you over to Capital. So I've made a career out of studying human behavior. And at Procter & Gamble, for the 17 years I was there, I was studying human behavior as it relates to consumption. So how they shop for, buy products, consume products in the different categories that P&G competes in. And in early 2015, I got a call from an executive recruiter and they said, there's this company that we'd like you to take a look at. And it's called Capital Group. And so started to investigate Capital Group and I started to meet with the people that uh, make up the Capital Group uh, executive suite. And kind of fell in love with the company and I fell in love with the opportunity. And so it was actually this big switch for me going from packaged goods over into financial services. But it has been fantastic because what I get to do for Capital Group, again, I study human behavior. That's what I do for a living. But here I get to study the behavior of financial professionals and the behavior of the end investor and understand what their needs are and how they can interact in better and more productive ways. So it's been a great six years here at Capital Group, thoroughly enjoying it. And certainly what I'm oriented towards doing is bringing forward just good insights that financial professionals can apply as they work with their clients. That's great. Well, before we get into more of what you do at Capital, I want to talk a little another question about your background, and that is you have a doctorate in business administration from Temple University, and you've got an MBA from the University of Texas at Austin, but you also have a bachelor's degree in horticulture from Michigan State. So I want to know how that relates to your career path. Well, yeah, it's kind of hard to string those things together and have it feel like it's sensible and planned out. So the bachelor's in horticulture, I grew up, I'm from a Dutch heritage. My parents grew up on farms. That type of getting your hands in the dirt and uh, just appreciation for gardening, farming, horticulture, that was part of my heritage. And I went right from that heritage into getting a bachelor's in horticulture. And then I quickly realized it's awfully hard to support a family. (laughs) And so the MBA was me saying, wait a minute, let's take a look at some of the other things I'm interested in. And I was fascinated by psychology and human behavior. And so I got the MBA as a bridge into that field of work. The doctorate, um, actually, my dissertation was on how you can use temporal framing, so the way you frame things in time, in order to influence investing behavior. And so that was a further bridge into this world of understanding human behavior as it relates to investing. And so that started to connect much more deeply to what I do today for a living. So let's see, you're from the Midwest, went to school in the Midwest, lived in the East, now live in Southern California, also went to school in Texas. So when did you move to Florida? Yeah. Florida's not on the list yet, but I've covered I've covered most of the U.S. states, it seems like, lived in Europe for a while. I uh, definitely moved around. Hey, before we dive into some of the juicy stuff we want to talk about, I do want to just spotlight one thing about Capital Group, and I'm sure some listeners listening to this know about it, but some probably don't. And you know, in terms of all the reasons why Cap Group has been so successful since 1931, and one of these things is called the capital system. How would you describe that? Yeah, the capital system, 
it's really the heart of what Capital Group does. And for those who know us, those in the audience who know of us, you probably associate us, Capital Group and American Funds, with the fact that we take a long-term approach and the fact that we do deep research and the fact that we have experienced professionals managing the money and the fact that we have low expenses. And that's all part of the capital system. But really the heart of the capital system is that the assets of each fund are divided into manageable uh, portions that are autonomously managed by our portfolio managers. And what that does is it gives the opportunity for strong conviction ideas on the part of those managers to be brought forward, yet with accountability in place. And it also creates continuity on the funds themselves. So you put all those together, that combination of a long-term approach, the deep research, uh, the experienced professional, the low expenses, and then this unique aspect of how we manage uh, the money. And that really does give us this very strong, sustainable system, which we think is at the heart of the great results that we've delivered all the way back, as you said, uh, to 31. Obviously, it's worked. So the topic we want to talk about on this podcast is a study, an advisor study that recently came out that is just loaded with good information. It's called the Pathways to Growth. And in it, it covers the three success factors of the highest growth firms. Could you tell us a bit about the background and the scope of the study? We really felt that there was an opportunity for us to step forward and provide more support for advisors in their practice management. And as we talked to the advisors, what we realized is, first of all, how important the job is that they do. And then secondly, just how complicated it is. And we saw that across the wide ranges of different expertise that they need to bring forward, that there is a need for support in different ways that we felt we were well positioned to deliver for them. And so after talking with them, understanding what their needs were, we began to design a study. And that study, it covers everything from how they use their time to their habits and practices and the way they engage with their clients, what they do with their investments, um, the technologies that they invest in. And then we also gather data from financial advisors in terms of their growth and revenues, the growth in assets, and the growth in clients. And so by putting together this study, which really covered all of their habits and practices, and then also collect the data on the growth that they're achieving, we're able to show what exactly is correlated with growth. That's why we call it the Pathways to Growth Study, because we can very specifically model what behaviors actually lead to growth for advisors of different profiles. Well, let's walk through some of these success factors. So first of all, there is the always-on acquisition factor. What is that? What does that mean? Always-on acquisition is about a continual focus on bringing in new clients. And that is perhaps the most important of the factors we're going to talk about. What we see is that contributes, for most advisors, if you look at what predicts growth and the factors that we go through, that predicts the majority of it. Always on, we chose those words because it's so important to be continually focused against that. And then in terms of the behaviors underneath it, there's a variety of ways that advisors can turn on the different levers that will attract clients into their practice. And what we're encouraging advisors is to be much more intentional about which of those levers are using to attract new clients. And then the second factor is called the relationship alpha. What is that? Relationship alpha is about deepening and broadening the relationships that advisors have with their clients through the services that they're offering and through the way that they're engaging with those existing clients. And so you can already see from the first factor, which is about bringing in new clients, into the second factor, there's connectivity. Um, it's a natural kind of connection between the two, bringing them in and then deepening the services that you offer and deepening the relationships you have with them. What that does with Relationship Alpha, deepening those services, deepening that relationship, it brings in more assets from that client. 
It makes it more likely they'll get referrals from that client. And it also makes it more likely that that client will stay loyal to you. And the last one is strategic scale. Strategic scale is all about efficiency. And so those practices that are focused on having standard operating procedures that are using technology as a way to create time efficiency within their practice, that are very disciplined in the way that they're managing themselves and managing their team, that then pays dividends in terms of the way that they're freeing up time to actually invest in those other two factors, into bringing in new clients and to bringing in deeper relationships with those clients that they have. That's really interesting. So, Mike, how do these factors compare to how most advisors currently run their practices? Like, For example, how do advisors currently split their time between client relationship management or investment management and, and practice or business management? So one of the first things we saw as we looked at the data from the study is that most advisors spend their time relatively similarly. They spend about half their time on client relationship management, about a third on investment management, about 20% on, on running their business, on practice management things. So that is fairly common, those divisions of time. But what we saw underneath that is small changes in the way that advisors are spending their time could lead to just exponential benefits in terms of the growth they'd achieve. So to put a stat to that, a 1% shift from lower value activities, spending time on lower value activities, to higher value activities could yield 3% growth uh, for the practice overall. So shifting 1% of time, delivering 3% growth through your practice, I think just about anybody would want to sign up for that. So there is a lot of information on the study on the Capital Group website, specifically on the Practice Lab site. Can you tell us more about that Practice Lab resource? Yeah, it's a great resource for you. And so it's very easy to find. PracticeLab.com will take you there. It's open for you to go in without logon as you go in and want to look at that content. And what you'll see is it's organized in such a way that you can see the three factors that I just described and content associated with those three factors. And it's designed to be very pragmatic, very accessible. Each of the uh, pieces of content that are there are very quick reads. If you're up for it and interested in uh, some of the things we talked about here, there are some of the previous webinars and videos that we've recorded. You can see me speaking in different contexts about uh, the study itself. But the most important thing is we wanted to make it accessible and practical. And so if you go to Practice Lab, we cover the variety of different topics. They relate to the three factors that I talked about um, from the Pathways to Growth study. And then they go even broader than that. And they give you accessible articles with very pragmatic insights that you can apply uh, to your business. And I have to admit, the Practice Lab website is really loaded with a lot of stuff. How long has that been around? We just did that up in the past year. And so we went about this in a very methodical way. We really started by understanding the needs that financial professionals have and how we could address those needs. And then we ensured we had robust data and content that we could bring forward. Once we had that in place, once we knew we were delivering the right value, we stood that up as a resource um, available for advisors. And again, that's just been in the past year that we've done that. And we see that as a resource where they can self-serve to get to the content and if you have a relationship with a Capital Group Salesforce member, then you can certainly have a conversation based on that content and go even deeper into some of the uh, consulting that we can support you with. Again, it is easy to use. And, and as you also mentioned, there's a lot of different media formats in it. So again, it's useful. And the, the research reports themselves are uh, the way they're sort of laid out. It's, again, it's just really easy to follow. And quite frankly, it's impacted some of the stuff I've already done as well. So it's pretty cool. Okay, well, shifting away a little bit from what makes a good advisory practice, what do you think makes a good financial advisor, maybe in terms of temperament or behavior? 
That's a great question. It's, it's really interesting. A few years ago, we spent a lot of time on this topic. And we found that, broadly speaking, there's two different styles that financial advisors tend to take on, like personas that they take on in terms of what drove them into the industry, what attracted them to being financial advisors in the first place, and then how they interact with their clients. We described the one as being a sage profile. And these may be those who are attracted to becoming a financial advisor because they like numbers. They like the quantified different things. They like the quant side of things. They like explaining those numbers to their clients. They may like to actually manage the investments in a very hands-on way. So that's a SAGE-type profile. The other profile that we saw that was very common out there, we described as caregiver. And these are people who were attracted to becoming financial professionals because they liked working with people. They wanted to make a difference in people's lives. They really liked those interactions with, uh, with their clients. They liked to get to know the family. It was much more about the human touch. So you have those two profiles, sage and caregiver. And then what we wanted to do is figure out which of those is more successful. And the answer was, they're both successful. It's not that one is better than the other. It's that actually the hallmark of success is to be able to flex appropriately between those two temperaments based on the need of your clients. Every financial professional has to have a side that's more quant-focused and can talk to numbers, but you also have to be able to connect emotionally with your clients and be there as a support for them. So I'd say those who are most successful are those who understand that there's an aspect of being a sage that they need to bring forward and bring to the job on a daily basis, and there's an aspect of being a caregiver that needs to be present there as well. And it is really fascinating to think about they're both can be successful. I mean, if you would have had me take a guess, I probably actually would have said the caregiver had the edge. But I think the way you said it, that makes a lot of sense. All right. So another favorite question of ours is in our profession, you know, we all have an obligation to perform at a high level, not just for our clients, but for our families as well. My question is, what are your own personal wellness practices, both mental or physical, to ensure that you're performing at a high level? Well, first of all, it does help to have a lot of coffee. And I will freely admit <laughs> I do consume an awful lot of coffee. But there's a few things I'm really committed to. And, and this topic actually is really important to me. Uh, the idea of just maintaining your energy and thinking about the way that you maintain your energy so you can show up uh, fully present every day. And for me, it's the idea of getting exercise on a regular basis throughout the day. I start every day with a walk. This morning, I had to be in the office really early. I still wanted to get that walk in, so I was up at 4.30, taking a walk through the neighborhood just to get that warm-up to the day, which I find sets my mind in the right way. And then building in small moments, you know, 10 minutes of going up and down the stairs or walk around the office or walk around my home when I'm working from home, um, I find to be really, really helpful. And again, it gets me into the right mental shape. And then, of course, the fitness routine. And so for me, I, I love being a runner. Um, it's something that I've... Uh, just feel grateful that I'm able to do and my body is holding up. And so running is my way of completely unwinding and again, keeping that health uh, hopefully in a good place. Before we let you go, Mike, do you have recommendations for what advisors and investors should be reading or listening to? Yeah. And I'll share some thoughts there. And it comes from um, the perspective of kind of what I do for a living. And so again, what I do, the way I would describe it is I research human behavior. So I'm very interested in the psychology of why people do what they do and how that impacts investing choices. So I'll share two books um, and then one, uh, one podcast that I listen to. The first book is called Noise. It's by Daniel Kahneman. And so those people who are familiar with uh, behavioral economics and, and all of that work, Daniel Kahneman, Thinking Fast and Slow, he has a new book out within this past year called Noise. It's about the flaws in human judgment. 
I think it's a fantastic read. It's something for all of us to, uh, you know, benefits all of us to be aware of some of those flaws that each of us can hold in the way that we approach decisions. The second is, is what retirees want. And that's a book. Um, Capital Group has nothing to do with it. Actually, some of our competitors were involved in that research. And it was a book that was published, I believe it's called Third Wave. And I read through that book. And I'll tell you, it summarizes a lot of the details that I think are so important for people to understand about how the retirement life stage is changing. So again, the book is called What Retirees Want. And I think it's a great read for those of us who are involved in helping people prepare for that retirement milestone and that retirement life. Then as a podcast, um, Hidden Brain, it's uh, something that really gets into a lot of different topics about how people make decisions, how they think. That's one that I just always enjoy. And I learn a lot from going through the different episodes uh, with Hidden Brain. Good stuff. Well, it's been great to have you on the show today. How can listeners stay in touch with you and learn more about Capital Group and the work that you're doing there? Yeah, if you want to see my work, it definitely shows up on Practice Lab. And so that's, uh, that's where I would suggest that you go. I suggest that you visit. Um, you'll see fairly regularly um, articles that are bylined by me. Fairly often, you'll see webinars that I'm included in as well. And my research shows up really in, a, in an accessible way um, right there in Practice Lab. So that's, that's where I'd, be, I'd guide people to go. Well, thanks, Mike. And thanks for expanding our holiday book list, putting together a list there. And I think we just got two more titles for it. That's great. And I do think, that, again, the Pathways to Growth study is, is powerful in a lot of ways. I mean, just the simple things of just being an intentional and incremental. I think a lot of people look at studies and say like, oh, I got to go so big on this. But just that stat, just 1% changing your time is the 3% improvement in growth. I think that's powerful. So it's good stuff. So thanks again for coming on. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week. Rusty, take us out with your final words. Stay balanced and stay the course. We'll be back soon. Thanks for listening to The Weighing Machine. And thank you for your time and trust in Orion Advisor Solutions. The Weighing Machine is hosted by Rusty Vanneman, Chief Investment Strategist at Orion Advisor Solutions, and me, Robin Murray, freelance writer and editor. If you have feedback or questions about our podcast today, please send us a note at rusty at orion.com. All opinions expressed by Rusty Vanneman and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and don't reflect the opinion of or endorsement by Orion, its affiliate subsidiaries, and its employees. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for legal, tax, and investment decisions. The opinions are based upon information that participants consider reliable.